babe, time to wake up. Active in my faith, time to stay up. Watch me flip the switch like this. Watch me flip the switch like this. Raised from the grave, time to wake up. Active in my faith, time to stay up. Watch me flip the switch like this. Watch me flip the switch like this. I feel it. It's a nice freestyle. It's a nice yeah. freestyle. All right. Welcome to the Flip the Switch podcast, where we flip the switch on everything. And I do mean everything from relationships to fatherhood, motherhood, financial assistance and freedom. Uh, You you want it. We talk about it. You want to listen to it. That's what we're here for. This is not just our podcast. This is y'all podcast. This is y'all podcast. Very special guest. We have a very special guest by the name of Chris Waters. He is a psychologist. this man is great, and I'm so glad that you came on today. Thank you for coming on again. Um, uh, we got connected through a mutual friend, and I'm very grateful for Paul. Shout out to Paul Kim. He Shout was one of our guests great in the Fatherhood Paul series. Kim. The man is great. Like that, actually, man, Drake. Now that you uh, kind of mentioned it a few episodes ago, we got that's another massive splinter right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a massive splinter right there for sure. Yeah. That, that man will make you a ninja too. Yeah. Um, shout out to the ninja. Turtles. A, a walk <laughs> a Hokage in the flesh, man. <laughs> so true. So so listen, as everyone knows, we do a highlight of the week. Um let me say this real quick. Thank you for all those uh patrons and non-patrons alike, game changers as we call them. Um Listen, I appreciate appreciate you guys Shout for out to y'all. Um, Shout out to the game changers. Yeah, I appreciate y'all for uh for holding out on the week. Uh because y'all could have been like, man, we about to bounce. Y'all tripping, y'all, y'all messing out on weeks now. Like <laughs> I could imagine <laughs> like spoiled kids, all right? I wouldn't be mad at it. But again, I just appreciate you guys for holding out on just a week, allowing us, you know, uh myself and DeAndre official to just have a conversation uh with you guys. Now that one was for free, but if you want the the uh, if you want the the rest of the episodes that's coming in the future, you're gonna have to become a a game changer, as we call it. That is our family. That is our community. That's our community name, game changers. So, uh, with that being said, with that being said, Chris, need you to go ahead and just give us a little bit about you know uh, your business. This man is a psychologist. He was on a documentary. That is on Hulu right now. It came out last year, 2019. I believe it was in September. Uh, it's called Many Sides of Jane. Definitely a great documentary, especially particularly that it's on DID, basically multiple uh, personalities disorder. Uh, for those that don't know, um, they changed the name. That part, I, I don't know if you guys mentioned it or if they mentioned it in the in the documentary, why they changed that name uh, specifically. But regardless... Um, it was definitely a good in, uh, insight to to that particular. Um, I don't want to call it an issue, but just that, that particular, disorder. Yeah, yeah I had never that, heard of it. Yeah, some people they've never heard of it, and then some people have. But um, they they did address this. Some people, when they think of it, they think of somebody killing someone or you know something dangerous. And so you know, for this documentary. Um, I felt like it was something that was really more insightful to, yo, it's, you know, not everybody that may have this 
disorder is like that or whatever. And let's kind of look at it from a different perspective. It's not just this. It's not something to be scared of or to be frightened of and like, oh my God, like, not like it happens, you know what I'm saying? Just like any other disorder, it happens, you know what I mean? And people need help to get through it. Um, but talk to us about you and your your business. Um, you have a business on with being a psychologist and you also work at a, um, at a hospital. You know, talk to us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm a clinical psychologist. I um, Right now I work at a hospital in Washington called Klickitat Valley Health. And um, I do, mostly I work kind of in a clinic with other doctors and I do, I help people with mental health. So if somebody goes to their doctor and they're like, oh, I'm depressed or I'm not feeling good, then the doctor will refer them up to me and I'll do some counseling with them or I'll do some testing to figure out what, if they have a mental disorder or not. And then um, I do that full time. And then on the side, I have a business uh, where I see people virtually. So I see them on something kind of like Zoom, but it's encrypted and so it can't be hacked. And uh, I do therapy with people um, over the internet. Uh, now I have to have a license in the state where I see my patients because that's the law. So I see some people in uh, Oregon and in Idaho where I used to live. Uh, so I do therapy uh, over the internet. Has it always been virtual or is it just because of the quarantine? Uh, it, for me, this business has always been virtual. I actually don't have a home office. Uh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So when I, when I did Mini Sides of Jane, I lived in Idaho. Um, I'd lived there for seven years and I, had, I was at a practice there. And then when I moved to Oregon, um, I decided to keep some of my um, patients and I do it virtually. And then I got a few more from Oregon. So that's how I see people for therapy. Okay, cool. Nice, cool. very nice. Um, so for those that uh, may be interested for any reason, um, how can they reach you? How can they get in touch with you and, and set up you know, meetings or consultations or anything? Right, so um, I'm usually pretty full in my business and I, I focus a lot on people with dissociative identity disorder. Um, so I, I don't take as many like kind of everyday people in my home business anymore uh, because mm. there's so many people after the documentary um, that have DID that don't have good care that I mostly focus on that. But I do see a few people who don't have DID. And usually the best way to get a hold of me is to um, you can look me up on Psychology Today. So that's like a referral website. You go to psychologytoday.com and then you would just type in. Chris Waters, and then I have, you know, it, it's kind of my profile. And I, I don't oh. advertise a ton. Mainly I get my referrals through, you know, doctors or other people I know. I know a lot of people are really into advertising and having a big presence online. Mm. Um, I always think when you're a psychologist, you kind of want to be referred through somebody else so that you have kind of a good relationship with the person. Uh, so it's that kind makes of, sense. not everybody thinks of psychology that way. But for me, if, if I get a referral through their doctor or through their family member, I feel like we're already starting to create kind of a sense of community a little bit. And I think that the healing goes a little farther that way. Um, but again, we all have to make businesses our own way. That's just the way I make my business. Right. 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 Cool. I can understand it, though. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I definitely agree with that, too. Um, I think that I think that that's what kind of helped us even a little bit. Uh, was just Paul tagging you in the comment and, and right. you know we went into the inbox from there 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, referenced uh, Many Sides of Jane. I watched it. Um, again, great documentary for anybody that's interested. If you're just if you're into documentaries, just really good documentaries. You know, just insightful. It may not necessarily be that you have a particular a particular uh, subject matter in documentaries, but you just like a good documentary. That's definitely a great one to watch. It's on Hulu. Many sites of Jane. Go check it out. Um, with that said, let's get into this uh, to to this random opinion. We're going we're gonna have fun today. I, I have a good feeling there will be a good debate. Oh, I did forget to warn you. Dre likes to argue. He loves oh. debates. He probably should have been a lawyer or something, or you know, or find I used to want to be. I used to want. He did. Be. Yeah, I found that out. It's funny. I just, I just remembered the other day. I was uh, listening to one of our episodes or something, and I just remember I at one point did think about be, uh, being a lawyer. Oh, you too. But yeah. I, but then I was like, nah, I'm good. So, yeah. but Chris, uh, yeah, if you, if you got a random opinion, if you got an opinion about anything. By all means, let's share this. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it would be easy to argue with Dre about. I'm trying to <laughs> Oh, food is definitely one. Food is, food is definitely one. one. Food yeah. is definitely one. <laughs> uh, let's see. I would say, man, what am I gonna put my name on here? I don't know. I hmm. I'll do a simple one. I I think sushi is the best food in the world. Really? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. So I I I can't really argue because it just. It well, seems, wait, hold on. Wait, hold seems, up. Okay, hold go, up. Ahead, wait, go ahead. Go I ahead. need him. I need him to share why. Because yeah, I, I don't want to say I completely disagree with him because I've had sushi, right. but I I don't want to. I I can't just be like. Oh, I absolutely agree with him. So we gotta, we gotta talk. I need to hear why. Like, what's right. your perspective on this? Where, where does this come from? Yeah, yeah. Then you can pick me apart. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think I like. Man, it just has a little bit of everything. First of all, you get it raw. You know, the rice is cooked. So you got the raw fish. Sometimes the rice is cooked. Then sometimes they're dipping it in stuff and frying it. I mean, you just get all kinds of textures and flavors um you're getting like fish from different parts of the world i really like eel i just think you get this uh i don't know you get something that has like a little bit of everything and you get these um yeah all these different kind of fish you can find in all different kinds of places so it's i don't know i i love all that i love the texture like i said and i love it raw and it's cooked and sometimes it's fried i mean you get everything yeah i ain't gonna lie he made that hard to uh, even debate with i i i you know i i because you know i like to argue objectively and i can't because i've never even tried sushi i'm beyond what i've always looked at it the idea grosses me out just the idea that this raw fish grosses me out uh, you know, just, I've seen every, it. I've seen it up close, and people have tried to tell me to try it. I just, I can't do it. Listen, I can't bring myself. To listen, do it. <laughs> there are there are there are these great times where I'm like, man, Dre is so different. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't colorize him. You know what I'm saying? You can't say he's black just because he has dark skin. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he's so different from the norm. But then you go and say stuff like this, and it's like, house. Why? Like, what do you? 
Well, I mean, not sushi, so, bro. Well, I, well, for one thing, I grew up in Louisiana, grace. so Louisiana okay. doesn't have a whole lot of, you know. I'm sorry, but you have no excuse. You've been out here since what? 2011? You've been out here t- since 2011, right? <laughs> ten, ten. So, yeah. Okay, even even worse. <laughs> worse. Right. You've been I out here for almost. You've been out here for a whole decade. Like you've been, out, you've been, and on, and on. I, you have no excuses. Yeah. You have no excuses. It's been a whole decade now. You have no excuses. I'm sorry. Well, I, can't, and, I can't let you pass with this one. Right, right. And you you know Paul Kim, and he, he eats all kinds of things, right? And he loves... <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> how, do you, how do you say you get mentored by Paul Kim? So many, you Chris is not making this any better for you right I now. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you got me on that one. You got me on that one. It's crazy, too, it. because I've tried a lot of different foods with him. Just never right. sushi. We've yeah. never gotten that far. So I, I grew up in Idaho and uh-huh. we don't really have all that many different kinds of food. So mm-hmm. I didn't have sushi till I was in my twenties. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then, and then it took me a little while to like it. And then now I really love it, but it, yeah, I, I, I definitely moved out of Idaho. Cause I was like, man, I got to experience some more things in the world, even just food. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen, listen, I, I was, I wasn't, I didn't try sushi myself until I was 20 something. So that's fine. Right. So, Dre, come on, man. Like, you gotta, you have to go try sushi today. Yeah. Like, you gotta you get it today. Yeah. Honestly, I don't care if you go to Walgreens and get the, the not, you know, the, not the, the, the real kind. Right. Even just, because even the, even the non real kind is still good. Like, right. Walgreens is, sushi is, is pretty good. So, yeah. you know, now I do, I do. Do a show at a sushi bar and make him eat it. Yeah, see, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to take, we're going to have to do a, a whole episode. We got the GoPro, you know what I'm saying? We're going to have to yeah. do a whole episode at yeah. a sushi bar. Make we're going to have to find one in LA. Social support. For the right? sake of the podcast, I'll do it. Or I'll do it for the either, sake of the podcast. That bar, I'll bring you out here. There's a sushi bar out here somewhere. I'll, I'll, I'll come down, drive you, and, and everything. I'll have a gas man. I'm telling you, like, you, this is, this is, this is not right. Justice, <laughs> no justice, no peace. <laughs> hey man, that that was a great opinion. I, that was a good one. I, I can't disagree with that. Like after you broke that down, the way that I, yeah, you get a little bit of everything, fried, cooked. I mean, unless you just don't like fish. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. I, I, all I right, argue all right. That. I won't argue that. Yeah, I don't I'm not argue, argue it for not trying it. I won't argue against it though, because I haven't tried it. So I'll I'll be honest in that opinion. I can't say I will it's bad. say this. I, I will that. say this. Anybody that has not anybody that has tried it and, and calls it trash or anything or anything of the sort, them fighting words. You can't talk about sushi <laughs> like that. That's that's some, that's one good that's one good dish right there. That's some good food. Right. So listen, I'm I'm yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I let you have that opinion today, because I don't. I would have never came up with that. And then I would have <laughs> never known Dre's ever tried it, and, and you know I wouldn't be able to get on his case. So, yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. Sushi is definitely now. I I still won't necessarily agree that it's the best dish in the world, but it is definitely a great dish. Right, like, right. I can eat that anytime. Yeah, yeah. Morning, noon, night, whatever. So right, right. it is definitely a great dish for sure. Right. Yeah, and you know I'm what? Maybe go. I'm not as humble as Dre. 
I'm saying it's the best <laughs> in the world, but I have not tried every food in the world. So that is my opinion. No, stand, but, I mean, that's still strong on it because I, I, I got to come at somebody if it's trash when I try it. I got to come at somebody. Yeah. So stand strong with your opinion. I'm like, Chris, yeah. he you're said this gonna, is the best in the world. You're not going to come at me with that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like I said, I ain't gonna agree with that. I don't know if sushi is the greatest dish in the world, but it's definitely a great dish. Like I said, I could eat it noon, night, morning, middle right. of the night, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and any food that you can eat at any time, like, no matter what time it is. Yeah. Yeah, big props I'm, I'm to with a food that. that you can eat at any time. That's good, though. That's yeah, definitely a great dish. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So... Listen, so we got some questions. We got some questions for you. Right. Uh, I definitely tried to make sure that we had questions that hopefully people are thinking about or, mm -hmm. you know, people are, you know, maybe are trying to figure out or something. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get into this. And um, for those that are listening, hopefully you guys can really uh, – I, I got a feeling y'all going to need to take some notes, especially if you are dealing with – um, mental health in the sense of kind of struggling to maintain a good men mental health. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into this. Um, well, no, Dre had a question that I, uh, let's get into one of Dre's questions okay. first. Um, so that. I, 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 um, the question that I had, I think I had the wrong term. I think I had psychiatrists down. Um, but so what, what exactly is a psychologist? What exactly is the details of your job? What do you specialize in? Right, right. So yeah, it's a great question because even everybody, even some of the doctors I work with, sometimes they don't know, right? So, so mm, a psychologist oh, is, is basically, um, it's somebody that has a, uh, goes to school and they get a doctorate. So we're not a medical doctor. You know, you get a doctorate in psychology. And what we can do is we usually do therapy and then we do a lot of diagnosis and then we do like uh, testing. So we can, we can do, give you some tests and understand if you have like learning disabilities, if you have a certain types of mental illness, like we can really kind of pinpoint that down. And then a lot of us do therapy as well. Hmm. Um, okay. And in therapy, you know, we try to help you talk through, you know, if you're depressed or anxious or if you have other conditions, you know, what are some uh, tools that you can use? Where might, where might some of those um, problems come from, like from your past or from something bad you've been through? And we try to help you really kind of create some, uh, create a better emotional life inside so you can feel better about life, kind of pursue your goals, make sense of some things that happened in the past. And that's kind of the goal. Okay. So, so cool. Psychologists, they mostly focus on the emotional part of life. Yeah, yeah. They focus on the didn't know that. Part. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I there's it's such a big field. There's some people that, gosh, that are psychologists that focus a lot just on your thinking patterns. So there's you know some people focus, I guess, on. I guess the best way to put it is, most of the time, the psychologists will kind of try to come at your problems from your thinking patterns your emotions, your behaviors. And then sometimes they're referring you to go get like medications if your brain chemistry is a little off. So we would send you to a psychiatrist, maybe if you need medications, if your brain chemistry is so far off that you can't really um, function very well. 
right? So but, you de- you described it as brain chemistry. What what would you say brain chemistry is? Yeah. So really, um, right now in uh, psychiatry, the medication part of things, um, they focus a lot on um, neurotransmitters, and those are these little tiny, almost kind of like nutrients in your brain, and um, they can lead to different kind of feelings overall that you have in your brain. So if you have depression, for instance, usually there's a little uh, chemical in your brain called serotonin, and it's, it's in between all the little um, uh, neurons in your brain, which are all the little cells that connect everything together. And mm-hmm. some people, the serotonin, that's kind of this chemical that gets sent between all the little cells is off. And so you take a medicine that helps that um, have, helps you have the right level of serotonin. So sometimes if people are really depressed and it's mainly just, it's not because of their circumstances, but like their body just isn't producing the right things, then they'll take a medication. And sometimes you'll have people that can barely get out of bed. They're so depressed, like all the time and you'll get them the right mm. medicine and it kind of livens them up. Those cells are able to function better and you're better, able to make better connections in your brain, like maybe from your emotions to your memories. Um, there's just different sections of the brain that need to connect together in order for you to function well. And that's literally okay. the oh. definition of like chemical imbalance. That's what they mean by that, yeah. right? Like they talk about that a chemical, chemical imbalance, yeah. And there's lots of different chemicals in there. So there's lots of different medicines. So, okay, hmm. question on that. I'm actually okay. glad that you brought that up because I think it kind of goes into a question that I, I got from somebody I was talking to last night. Um, um, but I don't necessarily want to ask that particular question, but I'm going to bring it up just to uh, kind of help with the question that came up in uh, just now from what you were saying. So the question was uh, basically, why is it difficult for people to stop being de- depressed when they have happiness around them. But my question is, uh, um, even for that is, is the, the chemical imbalance, is is that um, maybe the, the reason why, but um, to that, like why people can't seem to maybe enjoy the happiness around them um, because of the chemical imbalance. And then with the chemical imbalance, um, what kind of happens for there to be, you know, for things to, get off balance like that right well so i mean gosh it's a big question so so first of all the one thing i'll say is because i'm a psychologist and medicine isn't definitely it's not my specialty i always lead with trying to help people develop skills and tools or ways of thinking or feeling or ways to interact with their community that would make them feel better that's kind of my that's my main goal like if people come to see me i go that way first okay right work then you got to start thinking about is it a is it a brain chemistry issue is it a chemical imbalance right so so you'll see if you can get people healing without medicine first yeah if i can because there are side effects with most of those medicines you know right right to make sure it's the right thing um yeah so i guess how do people get that way well one is there is um it it is passed down in families in your genetics some mm-hmm. interesting a lot of people have um like bipolar disorder you you can that can get passed down through the generations um even depression and anxiety but you but a lot there's a lot of bipolar disorder 
There's a lot um, that gets passed down with uh, schizophrenia, for example, when you hear and see things that aren't real. Um, so there is a number one is, you know, what what brain mm. chemistry were you born with? That's a big piece. Or even if you're not born depressed, you know, if, if you have a little bit of that in your brain chemistry and your genetics, like what got passed down, and then you come into some real hard life stuff, then maybe it will start coming out. Maybe mm -hmm. you depressed your whole life and then you get to be about 20 and, and all of the pressures of being a young adult hit you, then sometimes you'll um, start to suffer. You know, it's almost like you didn't know it was in there, right? Mm -hmm. But I would say one of the biggest ways that things get off is from trauma. Yeah. Right? So in trauma, it's different for each person. You know, trauma is a little bit in the eye of the beholder. So... You know, trauma can be if you get abused, you know, hit, um, yelled at, you know, sexually abused. You can, I've had people have really bad traumas from really bad car accidents. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's all different kinds of things that can happen to you. Um, sometimes it's like bad stuff that happens in your community leads to a trauma or in your um, country of origin. Like if you grew up in a, like a war-torn country um, mm -hmm. I, I used to see a lot of people who uh, grew up in Syria when all the, you know, raids and bombings were going on and some of the terrible things they saw. So, you know, trauma is really just you have an experience where, you know, you're out in the world and then something really scary happens to you that rocks you to the core and you just can't shake it. You know, mm -hmm. it's in your mind, you have nightmares about it, maybe. Or if you like, let's say you hear a car backfire, you think it's a gunshot. And then your body gets really scared and your brain starts thinking that, you know, it's a gunshot, not a car backfiring. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of what happens to people, I think, is trauma. So from a physical standpoint, can the trauma, like, literally throw, the chemi throw a chemical off in your brain? Yeah. It can yeah, create can. a chemical imbalance. Yeah. Right, right. Because if you think about it, like, let's use that... Um, like car backfiring, you know, every once in a while a car will backfire, it'll make a loud noise. If your body, if you went through something where like you heard a bunch of gunshots and maybe somebody knew got killed or hurt, you know, your body mm -hmm. is always going to be ready for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Like your, your brain is going to say, okay, we're going to make sure that never happens again. And so anytime that happens, all of your survival instincts will kick in right and that means all the chemicals in your brain that are there to help you in a survival situation will flood into your brain you'll get really ready um, to you know either fight or flight right run or mm -hmm. go towards it and fight through it um, actually your body doesn't digest food as well right because it doesn't want to be digesting food when you need all that power to make sure you don't get hurt yeah right? mm -hmm. so, everything in your body will learn to react to something that reminds you of the bad thing you went through, including your brain. So, but the problem is you don't want to be ready to run from a gunshot or fight someone off every single day. You know, that right, right. you want some peace, you want some happiness, you want some, right. not the fight and flight chemicals all the time. So your brain can really get stuck in some of that stuff. What what are some things that you uh, maybe suggest for people who are dealing with depression or, you know, just whatever it is that, you know, the the, the trauma might have caused for them? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, what, what do you, uh, what are some tools that you uh, um, 
I guess, issued or empowered people with to to use to kind of help them to get to that place where they're able to kind of like uh, maybe like they're at a family gathering or something like that. And they're able to like, you know, because they have those tools that they've been empowered with, they're able to kind of shake that off for the time being so that they can deal with it later and enjoy the right now happiness that's around them. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, well, let's see. So part of what I was talking about has a little bit to do with trauma and PTSD, but some people get depressed with trauma. I guess I didn't uh, add that. But like, let's say you're out okay. and about, what kind of tools do we use? Well, I think if, if you suddenly feel like a really strong fear response, I always tell people at a family gathering to kind of go into the bathroom. Um, uh, I, I teach people this kind of deep breathing technique where you kind of let your shoulders relax and you breathe in for about seven seconds and then you you kind of make your lips real small like you're blowing through a straw and you believe breathe out for about seven seconds so seven why seconds. why do you make the lips small well because otherwise when you're stressed you go like this you you take a deep breath and then you go you know like you're yeah. out of breath right so i always make people make their lips small so that they make sure they're breathing out almost slower than they breathe in and why are okay. you doing that? well it, it makes your blood kind of oxidize, the right level of oxygen, um, not too much, not too little. And that tells your brain, okay, we're safe. Like everything's gonna be okay. Uh, one of my friends who's into cars said, oh, it's like a carburetor, right? You want just the right amount of air in the car. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not, you know, feeling sluggish or it's not, um, you know, getting too much air in there and misfiring, right? So it's kind of like you're you're doing this breathing technique in the bathroom, right? So you're not doing it out in front of everybody to calm your body down. So you can kind of clear your head a little bit and then go on with what you're doing. Um, now that's trauma, right? Depression's a little tougher. Right. Usually, usually you gotta you gotta get to the bottom of what the depression's about. Uh, uh -huh. Usually, there's something from your past or some way that you relate to people that really um, makes it so that you're not, you're not really processing your emotions right, right? So what I mean by that is we're usually sad, our, our main feelings are sad, angry, scared, or happy. Mm -hmm. And some of us really don't like feeling some of those, so we just push them down. Like some people had an angry dad and they never wanna be angry. Yeah. So they just push that down. Or some people like to be hard, you know, they never wanna show they're scared, so they push that down. Mm -hmm. And if you push those feelings down long enough, some people get real depressed, right? Because you you got to find ways to express those feelings or they get kind of stuck. Um, so you go to therapy or you learn different ways to write about your feelings, like journaling, things like that, because you got to get mm -hmm. them out. Some people do artwork about their feelings. So yeah. Those are different things, but you got to express. I always tell people, you got to learn how to express all four emotions. And most people, their family didn't like one or one of those emotions. Some people aren't even allowed to be happy. You were too happy in your family. You were too good for everybody, right? Dang, wow. So sometimes yeah. with therapy, I got to learn, teach people how to learn how to express happiness, either to themselves or other people. So Have you had clients that, that have like uh, experienced that where they're, they were at one point maybe too happy for their family? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, some some. It's tough. You never know what your family members have been through, but some of them don't. Some families, even if they don't mean to, they really push down on happiness. Now, 
it's tough. If you were a kid and you said, why don't you like it when I'm happy? Your parents would say, well, that's not true. We like it when you're happy. We just don't like it when you're hyper. We don't like it when you're this or that, right? Mm. So our family doesn't always know what we're doing to our kids, you know? Right. Um, so they, they might think they're just pushing away over excitement. Right, right. They're actually pushing away gen- genuine happiness. Yeah, yeah. Dang, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, with these, a lot of these are my opinions. Other people, other therapists work with this stuff a little different, but that's one of the things uh-huh. I like to look at. Yeah. Okay. Um, in your experience, what has been like the common denominator? Do you have another question? Because I got one. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, in your experience, what has been the common denominator with people struggling to maintain, to maintaining a healthy mentality? Um, let's see, I guess the main one is really what I was just saying. I think it's kind of knowing what you're feeling and knowing how to express it. Right. So mm-hmm. you, cause your feelings are there to kind of give you information, right? Um, right. They're there to say, Oh, like if I'm sad, it means I've lost something. Right. Or if I'm angry, maybe it means I've experienced injustice, you know, mm-hmm. or if I'm scared, maybe it's because, you know, someone really is out to get me now, you know, that's, we want to really understand when those are healthy or not. Sometimes though, we have feelings that are like, you know, too powerful. Like we get angry at like even the tiniest, tiniest injustice, you know, or yeah. we scared you know, because we had something bad happen to us, but really it's just a car backfiring. It's not really a gunshot, you know? So to me, it's, you got to be able to identify your emotions and you got to learn what to do with them, um, both within yourself. And then what do you do with them in your community? You know, mm-hmm. or do you grieve as a community, right? And talk about what you've lost. Do you take your anger and find a way to create justice? Um, but in a positive way, but without being violent, you know, um, yeah. you know, so I think that's, that's the common denominator for me. What, what are you feeling? And then what do you do with it? Right. Okay. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, what's your correlation between mental health and spirituality? Uh, let's see. So, man, that's a great question. So for me, It's really hard sometimes for me to separate those two. Uh, In my mind, even when I'm working with somebody who maybe doesn't believe in God, and I do work with a lot of people who don't, um, I am always just trying to understand what God loves about them. And Mm -hmm. that's good. Who who God created them to be, right? And I always tell people, I'm really trying to understand who who the person is. because because in therapy sometimes we get really into well if we're just nice enough then people will have a new friend and then they'll feel better but that's not what therapy is right therapy is Mm -hmm. like to me it's um who is the person really and some people you know some people are kind of um i don't know they they do have a lot of angry anger you know maybe they're a little more predisposed to that but god can use that for good right true what you do with yeah You know, some people are more predisposed to fear. You know, they think about fearful things all the time. And in, in, it's interesting in mental health, usually we're just trying to get rid of that kind of fear. But for me, mm-hmm. 
spiritual part of it is, you know, if if our uh, if the Apostle Paul is saying something like, you know, uh, I will glory in my weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody wants to focus on my strengths, right? I was a right. <laughs> teaching, and he says no, like um, God can use my weaknesses just as powerfully as my strengths, right? And that's so that that's the difference for me in in mental health. Usually, what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the symptoms like depression or anxiety, and you're trying to get rid of them, and that's good, you know. But every once in a while, underneath some of those symptoms, I think is kind of a, a weakness that God wants to redeem, you know. So if you have yeah. a big problem, God, you know, God can use that for good. Um, he may have you go confront somebody that's really a bad dude, you know. Now, the key is you don't want to use that anger problem against your family, mm. right, or your community in a bad way. You know, so obviously you want to do therapy right. and learn how to control that a bit if you're doing it in bad ways. But but God will use some of those broken places for good. You know, even that part of you that could fly off the handle, God will find a good place for you to use that. So that's the difference. The difference for me is that God, so you kind will, of... God will use all of who we are, not right. just the good parts. Right. So you kind of uh, almost like try to bring people almost into what their identity is, try to give them identity or try to figure out, you know, because I, I do think that, like, uh, if I had, you know, DID, especially from watching the uh, many sides of Jane, or even depression, like, I fought depression a lot of my life, uh, you know, identity kind of, like, subsides that when you figure out who you are and you have a purpose, um, uh, and you know that, like what you said, like one of your strengths could be used uh, as weaknesses. Like, for example, uh, one of the ways I take my depression is, you know, uh, I have a strong sense of empathy. Like I can feel other people's pain. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. at first it used to depress me, but I kind of figured out, like, OK, this is possibly a gift from God. You know what I mean? That you can connect with people really easily. Right. But you just... You got to figure out how to turn that pain into peace, though. You can't just hold on to it. You know what I mean? You can't hold on to it like you used to. So I I, I think that is, you know, uh, a lot of your work does kind of bring people into a, almost a new identity, right? right? Some of your patients. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other big one for me that's a difference. So in, in mental health, you know, maybe I'm sending them over to get some medication. Maybe I'm working on some thinking patterns that leads to depression, like maybe they always see things negatively or they always take things to extremes and you work on the thinking pattern. Right. But for me, um, sometimes like we'll take anxiety for instance, right? Good anxiety is meant to help you. Like, let's say I got, I got to go to, uh, I got to, I don't know. Um, let me think. Well, like, let's say I got I'm at school and I got to take a test. I feel anxious. Right. But we can have good anxiety. I'm so anxious. I'm going to go study and study real hard. I'm going to use all that anxious energy to go study. Right. The problem is when you're so anxious, you don't study at all and you avoid it and you you want to go like sleep too much. Right. Mm -hmm. So then it's out of whack. Right. right? Um, So it's good to have, you know, you do counseling and you understand, Okay, you know, this is how you deal with that anxiety. Um, maybe you make a plan on how to study. Maybe you figure out that that 
you know, that class in your major isn't necessarily, you know, your cup of tea, or maybe you get a tutor or something, right? You kind of problem solve some of that. However, the spiritual thing for me is sometimes under anxiety, what you'll find is that you have a gifting from God that the world has had you suppress. Right. Interesting. Right? So, like, let me like, give, give you me an example. example. I oh, will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here's an I have, every once in a while, I have people come in because they have nightmares. Right? Or they have these really powerful dreams. And they'll say, I have these powerful dreams. You know, what do I do? Now, we do have a medication that's really good at taking away nightmares, if that's the main problem. But mm -hmm. some people who have nightmares actually have either what I call a gift of intercession or a gift of prophetic vision. Really? Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody. Some people just have trauma. They were mm -hmm. in a car accident. Their brain's playing out all the bad things that happened to them, and you got to do therapy for that. Some people with nightmares or vivid dreams, I really do think that God is trying to use them in some way. So yeah. I've worked with some people, people don't know what to do with it. They don't. They don't, they don't understand it. Right, right. And usually with that kind of thing, it's a little like speaking in tongues. Like you can't necessarily come up with all that on your own. You got to find someone like a Paul Kim that can interpret it with you. Right? <laughs> Shout right. out to Paul. <laughs> you find you find, you know, like someone in your church, or you talk to your pastor about it, or you find a friend. But sometimes under those are gifts. So I'll give you a, one example was a um I had a patient who had these really dreams they were thought were really terrifying and i was like well tell me about them they're like well one of them like i'm in my bed and all of a sudden i float out of my bed and i'm looking at myself and then i float out um out of the room and like i can see everything that's happening around me wow right? wow and then i wake myself up because i'm so scared you know uh because mm -hmm. i don't want to keep floating up and seeing everything and with that person i said well hey i just had this feeling from god i just said hey you know if you can, just see if you can keep floating and see if maybe God wants to show you something, right? Mm -hmm. So this person floats out of their body and the next time they have the dream, they go up through the ceiling and then they, they stop again. They're like, nope, God, and they wake themselves up, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But the third time it happened, they let themselves go up there and they would tell you that they saw the glory of God. Seriously? So they saw the wow. glory. God. Now, we all say we want to see that stuff, but we all know in the Bible, man, people see that stuff, they fall on the ground. Right. Oh, right. Help me. Right. I'm right. unclean lips, right? Help right. me. Help me, right? Yeah. I, I think some people they want to say cuz about the gifts God gives us, right? Um, I have another patient who sometimes will kind of sense when something bad is going to happen in the culture. It's right? really yeah. So they'll have these nightmares, and the nightmares don't necessarily—they're not really clear. Like they're a little distorted and strange. But the interesting mm -hmm. thing is, they'll have kind of a sense that something that's going to hurt people or hurt a community is going to happen, and they'll—they'll they'll have maybe a strange dream about like wolves chasing someone down. Mm -hmm. or um but they'll when they wake up and they talk to it about 
talk with someone about it, sometimes they come to understand the meaning that God has with it. But can you imagine having a dream about wolves chasing someone down and trying to kill them? Yeah, um, that, yeah. Yeah. And what, what would it be like with all these kind of recent things in the news before all those things happen where people are getting killed by cops and you suddenly have these dreams about wolves over and over again? Mm-hmm. I know, right? That's interesting. Right? You start having dreams like that and you're scared and you don't know what to do with it. Now, here's the thing. We have a God that gives us... He never gives us more than he can handle, right? Sometimes it's more than we can handle, but it's never more than he can handle. That's my belief, all right? (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Because we're human, so we're going to make mistakes, but he'll never give us more than he can handle on our behalf. So Mm -hmm. our role with that stuff usually is God will have us, he'll let us participate in this gift. Like I said, like sometimes you may see a prophetic vision. Sometimes you might have other things. And then our role is just to, usually just to pray. God, show me what to do. Show me who to pray for. Show me if there's someone, one person in my life today that I can share this with, that it would be important to share it with. Mm-hmm. So the actions mm-hmm. are always real big. God will create the opportunities. Your job is just to ask for God to give you the faith and the courage and the spirit to hang in there with the gift. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one other example, and I don't think my wife will mind me sharing this. She has a gift of intercession, and what does that mean? She'll have visions, or she will um, have dreams about people, or she won't be able to sleep, right? And when she has that, what she learned from Paul Kim, (laughs) right, is she learned that, that Christ has kind of a deep feeling towards that person or wants to communicate something to that person so her Mm -hmm. role is when she has a dream or a vision or is up at night is just to pray for that person until she feels peace Mm, wow and you know what's happened to her before what's happened to her before is she's done that and the next day the person will call her and say I had the craziest feeling last night and I couldn't get it off my mind. And the only thing I could think of to do was to call you this morning. Right. Wow. Let me tell you how crazy this is. So he, one time uh, I was letting, uh, wait, who was he? Paul. Uh, (laughs) I just wanted you to say it. I had, um, you know, so I, I teach a life training class and Paul taught my class for, um, for a month. And there was one night uh, he was talking about intercessory prayer. And he told a story. He could have been talking about your wife. I don't know. But he didn't say any names. But he told a story um, about somebody. And I believe he said it was a woman. Um, But anyway, uh, same thing. You know, like stayed up late at night. uh, Couldn't go back to sleep. And he would just advise that person to pray. And he told a story about one time where that person was... um, at a conference or something like that. And the woman who stayed up late at night was told to pray like about tires or, or something of, of the sort. Uh, are you familiar with the story? Are you? Uh, it's not my wife, but I, I think I've oh, heard okay. the story. Oh, yeah, go okay. ahead. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Um, you know, and turns out the uh, the people who arrived at the conference uh, the next day was in a car accident or they had car trouble uh, uh, getting there. Um, 
But somehow, some kind of way, they were able to find tires for cheap. They had a tire that was messed up. They were able to find tires for cheap. And all she knows is that she prayed about it, you know? It was like, <laughs> and it was crazy because as he was teaching it, there was somebody in my class who just hit me up the day the day before and told me, like, Dre, I'm staying up late at night again. Uh, God might be trying to speak to me. I don't know what's going on. Like, I can't sleep. Um, and this is somebody who's used to being woken up in the middle of the night and praying for people. And she was like, it's happening again, Dre. And the next day, Paul teaches that class. And she was texting me as he's talking, like, what the heck is going on? Like, how does, <laughs> how does he know what's happening? You know what I mean? It was it was yeah. a crazy experience. So I was like, man, it's 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 interesting once you add Paul to your life. Uh, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I love your take on spirituality, man, because I think that, you know what I mean, it's awesome to have somebody that's in that type of field that understands that implication, you know what I mean, onto yeah. somebody's mental health issues. Right, Because right. I think sometimes we can chalk it all the way up to science and miss something, you know what I mean, miss something that's incredible. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you can imagine how anxious you'd feel if you didn't know you had that gift, right? Right, right. Yeah, and my, my wife, she had a lot of anxiety as a teenager, and a lot of it was about some of those things at night, and it's because she mm -hmm. didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. She just didn't know yet that that was in there, right? Yeah. So I'm, sometimes I'm... you have both, so that's the key. We got to be careful as Christians, I think, to not just say, okay, well, it's one or the other, right? Uh -huh. A lot of times it's both. You need to both do the mental health part of it and work that out, and there's a spiritual piece. Right, right, right. Interesting. As as believers, sometimes you know. Yeah. 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 I've 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 been one of those people who have like had dreams. Like I, there was one dream. Literally, as you were talking a little bit ago, um, I had a dream of this guy that I knew from uh, when I was like in my teenage years. Right. And I I think the guy was either about to get jumped or something like that but there was also a gun like they were trying i think i don't know if it was two different dreams or if this was the same dream but uh the guy was like being attacked and it was like it was like one of the craziest dreams i ever had um and at this time i was having like a lot of like vivid dreams um but this one in particular like it was like yo like watch out bro like you know what i'm saying and like i i don't I, it was it was a form of attack. I don't remember if it, if the weapon was a knife or a gun or if it was uh, the gun and the knife was in the same dream or whatever. But it was just that like I remember uh, I shared the dream with somebody. I think matter of fact, it was I was it was the it was one of the pastors I was up under at the time, and she told me to uh, to to pray for him. Um, so I remember doing that. But it was just crazy to me because it's like. I, it kind of felt like an out-of-body experience. Like, I was somewhere that may have actually been, like, at that time. But then, at the same time, it could have been, like, a, a forewarning of what was possibly about to happen. Or maybe... Because uh, sometimes uh, dreams are symbolic, too. So it may not necessarily be, like, exactly what you like what you see when you see it. It could be that the form of attack or the... You know, it could be, like... Uh, maybe, like, for instance, if it was a dream and you see somebody attacking somebody from behind with a knife that could just be a symbolism for somebody's getting ready to betray that person right right, right? Yeah. um so it's just it's just different ways to look at it but it's definitely um um i think talking about this is definitely something that's helping 
uh, people who not just deal with trauma or depression, but also people who have, you know, spiritual gifts, you know, uh, a gift yeah. of intercession, a gift of, of seeing, of, of, of being a seer, you know, or, or, pro- or some type of prophetic gift. Like it, it's, it's real. Like, it's not just like you said, one or the other, um, you know what I'm saying? And probably for some people, it's both. It, it could be, you know, both, uh, uh, um, a reality thing or a natural thing if you if so to speak or it could be and it could be at the same time you got the spiritual gift and you just got to learn how to you know uh kind of look uh i guess uh i don't want to say separate the two necessarily but in a, a in a sense separate the two where it's like okay you understand this time it's not the spiritual gift this time it's you know an actual physical thing going on with me or this time it is the spiritual gift and it's not this over here right right yeah it takes discernment right it, yeah. it ends up being a lot like speaking in tongues, like like the person themselves can't always interpret it. Sometimes you can with mm-hmm. God, but sometimes you need that other person because it's, well, it's so overwhelming, right? Sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough thing. So I, it does have to be separate. You know, I can't bill an insurance company necessarily when I'm being a psychologist to kind of... Uh, just focus on their spiritual gifts right um, so I, do have to, I do have to parse that out a little bit because you know, i gotta be honest right 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 but right. um well there there is a distinction but i try to in i always at least try to keep all that in mind right you know? right right and if the person's a believer or wants to talk about god then i then i jump in um but i really try to pull from what their own experience and ideas are and try not to influence them too much. Now, if it's just stuff in the context of church, or if the person has a similar, um, you know, faith tradition as me, then I feel a little more freedom to jump in and do some of that. Right, right, right. I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's just I think is you know I I have a belief that you know uh, believers are supposed to be placed in these different contexts of culture. Uh, to kind of bring people close to God, even if it's subtle, you know what I mean? So I just, I think it's dope that God has placed you in that area, the area of psychology, to kind of reach out to people. Because I think the church has not done a a great job on handling mental health. You know what I mean? You don't learn too much about it. No, not at all. You you don't don't learn too much about it. You know, it's somebody that's professional. You know, it's interesting, the church seemingly, at least most churches I've been to, they seem to have a um I'm already swimming with the sharks already, so it don't matter at this point. Yeah. Right. The church seemingly has has a ministry for every other thing but mental health. Wow. And what I mean by that is there's a there's a, a department or a ministry for uh for nurses to be active in. Or there's a, a, a you know, for, for money, there's one for the men, there's one for women, there's one for, you know, all these different things, which I'm not so knocking are we, but I'm saying that uh, I'm, I'm piggybacking off of what Dre said and saying, hey, there's a, there's a lack for something that's very necessary right now. Because even pastors, if nothing else, they just need to be able to rest their minds. But because there's a lack of understanding, hey, don't you don't need to be running around all over the place you don't need to be doing this don't need to be doing that especially without the appropriate amount of rest and i think that people think physical rest is the only form of rest there is